You are listening to the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 182. Here we go. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing, and you should too. Well, hello everyone. My name is Scott Wellens and I'm your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. Now, this is a show dedicated to helping real people, that is you, my friend, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, a fiduciary, a Ramsey Trusted Smartvestor Pro, an educator, and a wealth advisor, and it is great to see you today. In today's episode, is all about money and marriage. But before we get to the topic of the day, I got in a fight with my wife this week. Now, it's not the first fight we've ever had. We've had many. I'm sure everyone listening to the show right now has had a disagreement with your spouse, your loved one, your significant other. Well, that happened to me this week. So what happened? Well, what happened was something that happens over and over again. It used to happen a lot more when I didn't have more flexibility now that I own my own company. But it's about obligations normally with the kids, and that's what happened this week. My daughter is on a new club volleyball team, and And a couple days ago was the night when she was going to meet the team for the first time, do her uniform fitting, you know, this whole club volleyball thing. They have to have several uniforms, different jerseys, spandex, warm-up pants, warm-up tops, shoes, knee pads, elbow pads, backpacks, all with the club logo on them. So that was this week. Well, I had an obligation or a reason why I couldn't go. And so did my wife. So we were at a standstill getting ready in the morning, both saying we couldn't do it. The other one needed to take our daughter and go. Does that happen to you a lot? What kind of things do you fight about with your spouse. Well, I can tell you this much. We didn't really raise our voices that much. I mean, she did a little bit, but cooler heads prevailed relatively quickly. And by the time my wife left for work, she said that we would work something out. And I kind of said the same thing. (laughs) You want to know what happened. We both had a chance to step back and think about what's really important in life. My wife thought about What was more important, spending time at this very important thing that my daughter needed to do or do what she thought she needed to do? And I did the same thing. And at the end of the day, my wife and I both went with our daughter to her function. Let's get to the topic of the day. All right, here we go. 
money in marriage. Well, according to Dixie Meyer and Renetta Sledge, the relationship between conflict topics and romantic relationship dynamics. So according to them in their article in the Journal of Family Issues, personal habits, communication style, household chores, finances, big decisions, quality time together, sex, parenting styles, and in-laws. That's the list of topics about which married couples most frequently argue. Think about that list for a second. It's a pretty long list, and I'm sure you listening to this podcast right now, if you have a spouse, a significant other, you can think of the one, two, or three things that you guys fight about the most. And although your partner's most annoying habits can be the source of frequent conflict, like in our house, I tend to leave piles all over the house. I often lose my keys in my wallet and my phone. And normally inside my pockets, I carry some chapstick. I carry some peppermint spray. I got other things in my pocket. When I get home, I take the things out of my pocket and I just lay them down. Sometimes on my nightstand, sometimes by the coffee machine, sometimes in the back hallway, sometimes they remain scattered in different coat pockets. And then oftentimes I'm either looking for my keys, frantically having my family help me look for my keys my wallet, my phone, or just have these scattered piles all over the house. It drives my wife crazy. But those aren't the things that take a big hit to the relationship, those annoying habits. And I'm telling you right now, my wife's got some annoying habits as well. I'm not going to air out the dirty laundry on this podcast because she's not here to defend herself. But again, Your partner's most annoying habits are a source of frequent conflict, but those aren't the things that cause the major hit to the relationship. Okay, so then what does, Scott? What causes the hit? What are the big things? Well, here we go. Here's the three biggies. According to that Journal of Family Issues, finances, parenting, and sex, as you might have guessed, are the leading causes of lowered relationship quality in married couples. I don't think you will disagree with this list. And I don't have time on this podcast or any expertise to talk about parenting or sex. So let's stick with finances. And it's weird because even though there's so much research out there about financial decision-making, most of it looks at people making decisions on their own. Is that crazy? I think it's crazy because often we make big decisions with somebody else, with our partners, with our spouses, with our family, and so on. Yet, there's not a ton of research out there. Only recently has there been more and more research on financial decisions making as a couple. So Jenny Olson, a marketing professor at the Kelly School of Business 
at Indiana University, and Scott Rick, a marketing professor at the University of Michigan's Roth School of Business, are two leaders in this growing space. I mean, shoot, if you're an expert in this field, I suggest that you spend some time in this too, this decision-making with finances as a couple. These two recently summarized their freshest findings in a piece called, You Spent How Much? And basically, if I want to sum the whole thing up, transparency wins the day. I'll say it again. When it comes to joint financial decisions, transparency wins the day. I mean, what gives rise to financial disagreements in married couples anyway? I mean, it usually goes like this. One partner claims that the other spends money foolishly. I mean, this sort of argument happens all the time in my friend circles. One of my buddies says, my wife just bought 77 pillows yesterday. Or I hear one of my friends who's a woman that says, my husband just spent $7,000 on another big screen TV. Remember though, this sort of argument happens because opposites attract when it comes to money. Early in his career, Professor Rick developed the spendthrift tightwad scale to measure the extent to which someone feels pain at the prospect of spending money, a tightwad, versus someone who doesn't feel enough pain at the prospect of spending money, a spendthrift. Spendthrifts and tightwads attract. Crazy, isn't it? So even though these two different types of people attract each other, they are very likely to engage in conflict around money issues. I mean, just think about your relationship right now. And you think about Dave Ramsey and talking about who's the nerd and who's the spender. Because every relationship has one. There may not be a big gap. You may have two tightwads in the family, but one's more of a tightwad than the other. Or you may have two spenders, but one actually is spending more than the other. And according to the research, opposites attract when it comes to this stuff. And then the fights just start going nuts. So what's the solution? Well, if you're a spendthrift, you can tell your partner to loosen up. Stop worrying so much about the money. Or maybe you could try and meet in the middle. But research suggests that joint decisions tend to prioritize the wishes of the partner with less self-control. So the spendthrift usually wins. Why in the heck is that? Why does the spendthrift, the spender, the one who can't control their spending, win? In my opinion, have something to do with their ability to keep the conflict going, their sales ability to keep talking their partner into the fact that they're fine and they should loosen up and stop worrying. See, we don't know whether the spendthrift wins just because people end up doing that or what's best for the relationship satisfaction over time. What's clear though, according to the research, is that competing ways of spending, whether one partner spends freely and the other doesn't spend freely enough, can lead to serious conflict. So here's what often happens. 
financial infidelity. Partners simply lie about how much they spend or where they spend their money. People are doing this in marriage after marriage after marriage. They're lying. Infidelity, financial infidelity. So take a step back, family steward. Is that something you're doing right now? Because people often do this in a misguided effort to avoid confrontation. And man, I am not good with confrontation. But financial infidelity? I mean, it's one thing to just say, yeah, you know what? I didn't tell my partner about buying 77 pillows today. And it all sounds so innocent until we attach infidelity to what you just did. Because let me tell you, sustained financial infidelity over time is not unlike sexual infidelity, according to the research. This may cause deep rifts in relationships. We don't want that. I don't want that in my life. I love my wife too much. And I hope you love your spouse too much to do or engage in financial infidelity. So how do we avoid financial infidelity? A lot of times it's to have joint accounts. I mean, this is something that I believe, although I don't have the research in front of me, used to be standard. When you got married, you brought your accounts together. It just was what you did. My wife and I, when we got married, we thought about the pros and the cons. We thought maybe we should keep separate accounts because that would cause us to fight less. I mean, it made sense in our heads. Now, at the time, I was making a little bit more money than my wife. And so we thought about having separate accounts. And if I made 75% of the household income and she made 25% of the household income, then I would contribute to one joint account, 75% of our monthly bills, and she would contribute the 25% of our monthly bills. And then we'd have our own accounts that we could spend money however we wish. It seemed like it might be good. Although then we started thinking further in the process and started thinking, what about when we go out to eat? What about when we're buying Christmas presents? What about a lot of things? And what about the future? What about saving college for our kids and even more retirement? So what are the rules around that? How much do I have to save for retirement? How much does my wife have to save for retirement if we're always going to keep separate accounts? So we decided joint accounts. And it turns out, according to the research, that couples with joint accounts tend to have higher levels of relationship satisfaction. We didn't know that at that time, but it turns out it does. Couples make more utilitarian purchases, things that they need, rather than things that they purely want for pleasure when they have joint accounts. Now, the research does say maybe the couples that decide to have joint accounts They already have a better relationship than the folks that keep their own accounts. So there might be some blurry lines in the research. There was one study that I looked at and they took a sample of newlyweds and they randomly assigned them either to joint accounts or keep separate accounts. Not only did the joint account holders end up seeing more eye to eye on financial matters, but they also had higher relationship satisfaction two years later. So again, these couples, at least this time, they were told what kind of accounts to have. And people with joint accounts did 
better. But I believe, even though I don't have any research to back it up, that more and more couples are having individual accounts. And I believe this because more and more we see second marriages happen. Divorce rate continues to go up. People engage in a second marriage and finances were a big deal in their first marriage. And so they're like, I'm not going there ever again. We're having separate accounts. Again, I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I know in my personal situation for my wife and I, I believe that joint accounts were really good for us. But I also believe if you're going to have three joint accounts, that I want to walk you through three must-do tips to boost your satisfaction in your marriage or your partnership up. And the first tip is the hardest one. Just hear me through, please. The first tip is to develop a spending plan together. Because when you have a spending plan, you're working on the finances together. Number one, there's always going to be a nerd in the family. I'm the nerd in our family. So I'm paying all the bills. I'm looking at our checking account, at our savings account, at our retirement accounts. I'm looking at all that stuff. My wife's not looking at any of that stuff. She doesn't even know the password to get into our bank account. She has no idea. But it doesn't matter because we have a spending plan. We use the Dave Ramsey Every Dollar app. There's plenty of other ones. There's YNAB, which stands for You Need a Budget. Those are two big ones. We'll put links in the show notes at bestandwealth.com under the episode 182. But developing a spending plan together allows you to communicate each and every month about your financial life. I can't tell you how important this is. My wife and I have been doing it for many, many, many years. And we've gotten to the point where we have a great financial plan, go figure, we made it together, and we're on the road to a lot of great things. We're saving what we need to in our retirement accounts. We're spending less than we make on a monthly budget. We got college savings going on for our kids. We got wedding plans saved up for our kids. We're doing great. We feel like we're on track for to retire at a decent age, although I love my job so much and this company so much. I will never retire from this job, but that's another episode. But we still have a spending plan and you should too. All right, number two, have a line item in your spending plan with a flex account for each person. So each and every month when we do a spending plan, my wife and I each get our own dollar value that we can't complain about when somebody comes in with 10, 15 pillows. We don't complain because it might be coming out of the flex. That's their money. That's my wife's money. She could come in with bags of stuff and I'm cool with it because that's her money. You see, this is the biggest argument about people keeping their own accounts is they don't want to walk in the door with bags of stuff and the other partner says, how much did that cost? Or what's in those bags? Because if it came out of the flex account, I have no right to ask those questions. Have a flex account. And within that flex account, allow it to roll over every single month. So if you got $200 each in this flex account and your spouse spends $200, but you're a tightwad and you only spend $50, bucks, 
you still have 150, that rolls over. So next month, you're up to 350. Have a flex account. This flex account, I believe, is one of the single best things we've ever introduced to our marriage. I kid you not. And tip number three, decide on a dollar amount that you're going to have a check-in. Not with the flex money, but let's say, for example, you have a household line item. You know, that's where a lot of the pillows, quite frankly, would come in on the household line item and other household cleaning items. And just there's a big bucket, basically a lot of stuff that comes from Target and sometimes Costco falls under the household line item. Pick a dollar amount. And if you're thinking about spending more than that dollar amount on one specific thing, let's have a conversation with your significant other to make sure you're both on the same page. That opens up communication for big purchases. All the research that I saw suggests that communication is the key. You see, one thing my wife and I don't do is fight about money. We might fight about when we got to get the kids certain places and we might fight and say my job is more important than yours therefore you need to make the sacrifice and leave work early those kinds of things it's not like we don't fight because we do but we don't fight often and we don't fight about money we have reached the stage that we are operating on all cylinders we both make a decent living We have our goals and our dreams aligned together, and we have a plan to get us where we want to go, which includes saving for college for our kids, retirement, kids' weddings funded, paying our house off early. But we have a spending plan, and because we have a spending plan, we have open communication. I'm a nerd. She's not a nerd. (laughs) I pay the bills. She doesn't. But it doesn't matter because open communication is alive and well in our household. And I want it to be alive and well in your household. And that's whether or not you have joint accounts or individual accounts. You still need to have open communication. And a lot of times having a plan like a spending plan allows us to be open with our communication. And isn't it true for all of those items that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, if we communicated more about things like household chores, finances, big big decisions, quality time, sex, parenting, and our in-laws, wouldn't we have a much better relationship? Communication has been the key and will always be the key. And if we can do it with a spending plan, if we can have flex accounts and have a dollar amount that we actually talk to our partner about, we will be in much better shape, Family Steward. We are on our way and I will see you all on the flip side. Bye-bye, everyone. The 
Best in Wealth podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.